0: 1935 the lions win the nfl championship the detroit tigers take the world series the red wings bring home lord stanley's cup joe lewis begins his rise to world domination this transforms the motor city into detroit city of champions all right there you go anchors away it is time for detroit city of champions the podcast i'm jamie flanagan charles avison and uh, just uh, lots of stuff happening, and <laughs> we just did an episode of uh, The Man Gave Happy Hour in here. I uh, had a bunch of people hanging out, and now we're moving on to uh, Detroit, the, the, the city of champions. And uh, what, what's too loud? The music? The, just the... the oh, the headphones? Into the headphones? Oh, you're good. And All I'm right. just shouting, because I got a little bit of a cold, so I'm screaming. Oh, okay. That's why I think I'm screaming. But... Uh, I think I had a, had a cold because we were sitting in that cold factory all last week for two episodes. <laughs> that was a blast to go to do that it show. It was the man. best. It was so cool. Ever. I think I enjoyed that more than uh, when we were in the historical museum.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, totally. Roger was great. Uh, the, yeah. Because uh,
0: I think Roger made it. Yeah, totally. Uh, Roger so was. Better. I learned a ton, yeah. man. Yep. yep.
1: And um, in the and having Miss America Ten in the background was like the coolest thing. Like the, literally,
0: just to reach behind you yeah, and touch the boat right that we there. were talking about. Yeah. as it was happening, that was so fun to do. Uh, but the Miss America's story, uh, Miss America Ten, her story is not done.
1: No, oh, no, we're just getting rolling on that. We just yeah. gotta
0: drop her in the water, and we're like looking at those engines. And those four engines, and he's, like, talking about how he was laying on the floor and mapping it out. He goes, no, we'll put them end to end. And they're like, you can't and do that because you're going to be,
1: like, putting a bomb in an egg crate. He goes, ah, what's, <laughs> I'm the one strapping it to my yeah, back. I'm so the one that's got to do it. I got to drive and was, it. And I was thinking, I was putting the notes together for tonight's show. I was like, like like, I was like, oh, shoot. There's, there was so many. There was a couple of just an unbelievable quotes and, like, uh, you know, like, like the the genesis of the idea for the Miss America 10. Right. And I, I was like should to, we revit should I bring those quotes back for today just to make sure that you know whoever's listening to this show hears it and it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can't cuz we got even more awesome quotes to, and stuff to talk about tonight. Right. And so but so if you haven't if you didn't listen to last week's show, you got to go back and listen to it cuz yes. it's got some great stuff for like the genesis of the Miss America 10, like the reasons for it coming into being, the engines, all that stuff. Um, that you know the the one of the greatest like like hymn like uh, hymns of praise like mm-hmm. poems ever like Jay Lee Barrett talking about like God of Vulcan you know the Vulcan <laughs> God of you know medial, yeah, yeah. forge you know created these engines you yeah. they're just like the greatest little poem so we we don't have time to talk about all that, to, uh, that again the, you know I would like like I say it's the coolest yeah. thing so if you didn't listen to the last week's show you got to go back and listen to the Genesis just, of the um. Yeah of the of the engine you know of the boat the idea and everything but uh it's because we're moving right along today yeah episode 63 the madman's dream the madman's dream yep we've already kind of alluded to it last week when we said the madman's dream was the miss america 10 (laughs) but 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 it's just such a cool title i was like i couldn't help it i want to make sure everybody he because that's what they called this boat right the miss america 10 the nickname of it was the madman's dream and we talked about the genesis of it like i say last week and why it was called the madman's dream but today it plays a central role so that's why i wanted to make sure that the, the you know episode titles that so. yeah
0: well he was like you're going to blow yourself up what are you doing yeah so so things are you know
1: things are getting crazy it's uh, 1931 rolling into 1932 all right and uh we talked about like so the you know, Miss England 2 you know Garwood to his you know he, Garwood in the previous in, you know the previous year 1931 had gotten beat in the first heat by the Miss England Two, um, you know this is a, the 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 English, the you know, British are are absolutely dedicated to bringing back the Harmsworth Trophy yeah. to England and yeah. the Miss Amer- So the Miss England Two wins the first heat, which was like incredible to all. This first race at Garwood had lost, mm-hmm. and then the second heat they rebuilt the boat and everything, and then uh, and Garwood ends up. You know that there's engine problems for the Miss England Miss England Two, and Garwood. So you know Garwood wins, but. You know, it was like, you know, there was the other, they had the Yankee, they called it the Yankee trick, which was kind of one of the things that gave rise to Garwood's nickname as the Gray Fox of the Algonac, which is where he like acted like he was going to beat K Don to the line and K Don tried to catch up with him and they both got disqualified and Garwood's other bolt made it around the track. And so, like, there's, you know, so this, so there's all kinds of things that are under the scenes, and they're like, you know, we had a better boat. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we should have won this race. You know, they're, you know, they were, they had a year to sort of, uh, you know, you know, be like, we got, we got jobbed. If you know, we got, you know, know, to say, like, we didn't, you know, we're, we're going to beat them this next, you know, race. The next time we're challenging them again for sure. And they took a page out of Garwood's book because the Miss America Nine, uh-huh. the only reason it had any chance whatsoever against the superior Rolls Royce engines, uh, you know, the uh, Rolls Royce engines that they created for the Miss England Two, was that the Garwood had, had added superchargers to the two engines yeah. and in you know added a little bit more juice. But it, it just in a, just the tail of the tape, you had uh, the Miss England Two had thirty six hundred horsepower. The Miss America Nine had thirty two hundred, so it was you know it was it was not anywhere it wasn't I mean it was somewhat close, but that was only maxing out the two engines, and so the, so if in nineteen thirty two the English are you know the um, Garwood sort of leads off the year in January with uh, uh, he takes the Miss America Nine across a measured mile in Florida to, to he, he takes it a couple times to, to and he sets the he breaks the world record he breaks wow. K, you know the K Don's world record, Wow. and so he takes the world record back uh Garwood does and then the English uh they're they you know they're they learning their lesson from Garwood adding superchargers to his engines. Uh-huh. They supercharge the engines for the Miss England three. Right. So now they've got a new boat, they've got new engines. I mean it's the same same basic engine, but they add super superchargers. So they increase the so they the Miss England three increases to four thousand horsepower. Oh boy. Which is which dwarfs the Miss America nine, which again is thirty two hundred. Yeah. So that's when we were talking about all the stuff that went into creating the Miss America Ten, which was Garwood knew he's not going into the to the, to the in 1932, he's not going into race. And, I'm not
0: going to a gunfight with a knife, exactly. Okay? And so
1: that's what leads to this. He's saying, you know, to the Madman's Dream, which is like they can't increase the and there's no increasing the the amount, you know, like the, the the there's no more tweaking the engines to get any more juice
0: Those, out of these them. these two engines. You're maxed.
1: Yeah, we're maxed out. So the only thing to do is. To tether them together and make one giant, you know, f- two, with four engines and make two ridiculously huge engines <laughs> oh that all God. function as one. You right. know, like they you know two completely different engines, and that's why it was the madman's dream because you're tethering two engines together to create one super engine. That's <laughs> like, nuts. I know that's what they're, they're like. Well, it does it. Yeah. How do you tie these who engines thought, together? Well, Gar yes. Would thought. Yes, Gar would would thought of it.
0: Wood thought it thought it would work, but it, who would you know? It, it it does sound dangerous yes
1: because the main thing that the main danger part is the tethering of the engines yeah. to get them to function as one and that's that that's that the you know the rod that goes in between them that when the things fire like i'm not the biggest you know knowledgeable about engines but when you but you know in order you know the the, the you know the, the the main drive shaft that pumps it all has got to be functioning as one thing. And it's got and that's really the core component that's the strength of the entire engine because if they're all if you got that Ooh. much muscle turning that turning that rod, yeah. that rod's got to be made of like adamantium steel, uh-huh. like you know Wolverine's uh-huh. claws in order yeah. to, in order to so it doesn't rip apart. And that was as we're going to see that's going to be what turns out to be one of the biggest issues. Oh, because and so so anyways, um, yeah. So uh, the Miss America Nine Garwood sets the record, and then the Miss England Three with these new supercharged Rolls Royce engines. Shortly thereafter, in February, in Loch Lomond, Scotland, um, takes so it goes from 111 miles an hour, which is Garwood's record, to 119 miles an hour, which Oop. is 119.82 uh, know, miles an hour, which is the uh, Miss England three. Yeah. So he dwarfs Garwood's, um, you know, speed on water, and you know, again issues the challenge for the 1932 Harmsworth in Detroit, mm-hmm. and so they're like, we're coming back for it, and this time we're going to win. So. Um, so again, so the Miss America. So, one of the things we didn't talk about in the last week's show about the Miss America 10 was that this boat was going to be it was so big, which we saw with this just an absolutely ridiculously large boat. I mean, this thing is a for a speed boat, it's just monstrous, huge. And, um, and so, and so, anyways, one of the things though was that the 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 the, the horsepower behind this thing, you know, it it ended up being 6,400 horsepower when it was done. So, we said, once again, a comparison Miss England 3, 4,000 horsepower. Miss America ten sixty four hundred, so like this is a next level, but so, but it's to in order to to, make, to you know the problem is that you're using a wood boat, yeah. So when the so as we talked about in the very you know I think the first episode is what the goal was to get the boat out of the water onto its plane, right? Which is a flat bottom yep. on the back of the boat. The problem was. Is that so? They're they were like, well, wood would never take the punishment of this of the of the energy that this thing can take. Of, yeah, that this thing's that it's going through the water, out. like it'll just strip the the bottom of the boat off of it. Right. So they're so they're like, so the only thing that they they can do is make the plane made of metal. So the entire the entire goal was is to. Make the 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 plane on the bottom of the boat made of metal, and to get it to plane so that it would ride on that plane when it was hitting that 126 or whatever Jeez. miles an hour it was going to be hitting. So it had to ride on the plane. That was the entire thing. Mm. If it didn't ride on the plane, then it was, you know, what I mean, it, it, it was too much drag in the water. And so, and so, anyways, that's the goal. And so, and also, of course, to keep those, you know, keep the engines tethered as one. Mm. And so, um, and so, we also mentioned last week, the, you know, the test driving when they test roll, We did a this, uh, um, uh, um, so like, you know, the, to, uh, that when they test drove this thing, it, it's this thing is running. You know, as far as uh, fuel efficiency, you know, it's sort of a modern day topic. Fuel efficiency. This oh boat God, is running yeah, at. Yeah. You know, we talk about how many. How many miles a gallon a car gets, yeah yeah well, this thing you talk about how many gallons per mile Because <laughs> this boat it's taken five gallons a mile to push this thing, which Jeez. is like you know what I mean, like this is the only vehicle i've ever I think I've ever heard of is about how many gallons per mile oh, you Lord. get the other way around, yeah, you know? so anyways that's where this thing is at, so um so so anyways uh uh um. So they so they take the boat out for a test run, mm-hmm. and the and the boat. So and I think we read that quote last week. The boat is not opened up t- t- uh, at full throttle during the test run. So they're like, okay, um, uh, um, so, hold on, one second, let me take a look. At it. So uh, so and okay, yeah. So so the so we did. I think we did read that that quote. Um. So the so the boat. That's right. We did read the quote. So uh so the boat is taken out for test run. We read that quote last week where they take it out and they're like, this thing was, they're like, I think we left off in the end of the quote where he said this, it'll do, you know, he's like, they they're like, Hey Gar, how did it run? He's like, it'll do. But one of the things we didn't talk about was, is that they didn't open it up to its max limits. They right. just, they took it out for a, for a test drive to make sure right. everything was functioning. And then, so, so then they took it out and then what they found out was, so nine days um, prior to the race, which is after that first test run, they take the boat out, and they say, let's max it out and see what it can do. Yeah. And so when they take it out, nine days prior to the race, they take it out, and they push it up to its max capacity, and all the connecting rods and the engines all snap. Oh, jeez. So the whole thing basically is just, uh, I mean, it, can, it just limps back to shore. I don't even know if they, I think they had to get towed back to shore. But so it is, and this is nine days prior to the race. So in true Garwood fashion, rip it apart, <laughs> rip it. There. Let's rebuild Let's this re- bad boy. Worst, so I have my notes say from the nuts yes, bolts up. Worst possible scenario is uh. as all four engines had to be removed, torn apart, rebuilt with new custom rods in time for the boat to be tested again.
0: Jesus. Right.
1: So they have nine days to do it. So. Um, so yeah, so worst possible scenario? Cause they have, the engines have to be, you know, the, the rods that connect them have the engines have to be torn apart, new rods, custom rods, you know, with a whole new type of metal or something or other put in there. So that's where we get to like sort of the first quote that I want to read. Um, and again, the J. Lee Barrett quotes are so great. Like yeah. you know, I, I, usually for I think for all the other subjects, we read little quotes here and there. Yeah. Some of these ones we've been reading are a little bit more extensive, but just it's just because they're so I so good. Right? He's a, one of the most amazing writers, and I said this before: the the, the Speedboat King's book. I've read a lot of history books, but the Speedboat Kings yeah. is one of my. It doesn't even matter what subject you're talking about. He's just one of the best. He puts you right there, and we've got a couple of really good quotes to read today. And this is the first one, and it's it, it talks about once again, and we've talked about this before. You know, some of the greatest parts of the of the story of Garwood are not necessarily the races themselves. The races are almost kind of like an anti climax to yeah. a certain extent. It's the efforts that it takes just to get the boat in the water and in time for the race and ready to go. And then it's like the fact that the boats even finish the race is a huge thing compared to every other component he's ever had. Like all these opponents, their boats half the time don't even finish the race yeah. because the engineering is so flawed. And that's Detroit, man. They're building boats and products that actually make it around the track and mm-hmm. finish the race, you know? So anyways... um, so anyway, so now that you know, all this takes us into the first, like I say, quote. I want to read Jay Lee Baird, of course, and uh, this is talking about the effort. You know, you know all the things that went into, uh, you know, getting this bolt ready nine days prior to the race. And, and I'll tell you like this: so we've got really two giant quotes to read, and all of the stuff we're about to read takes place. This is what's so interesting: it takes place within a twelve-day span. Okay, twelve-day span. Okay, keep that in mind. So um so anyway, so this is this is nine days prior to the prior to the race. So uh so right here, men of lesser metal would have surrendered would have surrendered the trophy to the English without a battle. Again, talking about the fact that the rods broke in the boat and that they have to tear this thing apart. So I'm gonna start over. Right here, men of lesser metal would have surrendered the trophy to the English without a battle. It didn't look like it didn't look like they could they could design and manufacture new connecting rods, practically rebuild four giant engines, hook the two banks together again in tandem and set them back in the hall in nine short days. But they did. For six days and six nights, Wood's men and the Packard engineers worked. For six days and six nights they didn't get home for one meal. For six days and six nights, they caught what snatches of sleep they could beside the engines. They wouldn't quit. On the third day before the race, the engines were ready. They were rushed back to Alganac. It was a full two-days job to set them back into the hull. For nine solid days, these men had worked, Wood and Johnson among them. No one but Wood's men and the Packard men knew about this. Few, very few, know it to this day. This isn't luck, it's work. Johnson and Vance Smith drove the Miss America 10 from Algonac across Lake St. Clair to Woods Greyhaven home at Detroit the day before the race. Vance Smith was at the wheel, Johnson, as usual, at the throttles. A strong east wind was cutting diagonally across the bow of the boat, sifting, sifting the strong benzol gases into the cockpit of Johnson's side. About halfway across the lake, Vance turned to look at Johnson. His head and one arm were leaning over the side as though he were studying something there in the water. His left hand was clutching the throttle. Vance was anxious. Was there something wrong with the boat? Why didn't Johnson move? Vance tapped his riding mate on the shoulder. Still, Johnson didn't move. He was out, cold, unconscious from the sharp benzol gases that diagonal wind was sweeping to Johnson's side of the cockpit. Vance turned the 10th sharply to the left, headed the bow straight into the wind so that Johnson would get to the clean, fresh air on his side of the boat. Then Vance stood up in in that bounding boat and worked on Johnson. He thought the man was dead. His body was limp, nerveless, senseless. For 10 minutes, Vance worked on his man out there alone in the middle of Lake St. Clair. Not another boat was in sight, and he worked fast. Come on, kid, he kept saying. They can't do without you in this race. Orlin, Orlin, for hell's sake, man, come on. Vance couldn't hear his own words over the roar of the engines, but he could see Johnson breathing. He knew the man was living, and he was getting air now. The gas is sweeping the other, the other way. It was 10 minutes before Johnson spoke. He said, "What happened, Vance? Where are we?" Then he smiled. "Guess guess I was out, huh?" So so this is the third How time How many times has he almost died? <laughs> Near death. Just driving yes. this boat. Yes, throat slit in one and story. there's no dead man.
0: There's no dead man switch on this. No. He was out cold yeah. and still full throttle. Yeah, so one oh one God. story J-
1: Orland gets his throat slit by a board, gets his jugular exposed, pronounced dead on the shore. Makes it through it. Another story, the boat explodes in Italy. Ends up flying up 100 yards into the air, landing on his face or something, and, you know, bring him onto the dock. They took him to this whole dramatic scene where they did take him by boat to the hospital and all this. Survives. Here he inhales benzol and is out for 10 minutes from fumes of benzol fumes. And here, you know, benzol? Benzol fumes? I don't even know what that is, but exactly, but it sounds it so be. good. You should not be breathing. It's it. like it's like huffing I mean, and you're talking about these massive engines spewing it in oh your face. God, yeah. I mean, this is toxic stuff we're talking about here. And he's out for ten minutes and somehow comes out of it like I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is the third <laughs> time. You know, this guy is a third time. He's like almost dead. So any so yeah, so so this is you know, this is the lead up to you know to this race. So um so uh so following this they there was they uh there so so following this situation what they realized during these test runs was that the metal plane on the bottom of the boat was not planing oh so the boat was so they had so they they, it was a they ran a dozen tests like this where they're driving across lake st clair testing the plane out trying to get the boat up on its plane and a dozen times they could not get this boat to plane, and they would take it back to the work, you know, the, the warehouse, readjust the plane, take it, bolt back out on the river, five gallons a mile, you know, and it's and it didn't plane again. And they would take it back, rework mm. the plane, take it back out on the river, you know, it when it still wouldn't plane. Okay, so they do this, and they say this in a jaily Barrett, A dozen times they try to fix the metal plane on the bottom of this boat. And a dozen times it fails, and so they ran out of time. They're, they ran out of time, and so they're so they're going into the race at seven. You know, this is they ne- they never got it to plane going into the race and okay. against don on the morning of, on, right. on this morning. So so it's so the morning of the race. So so now the next quote we're going to begin with is the morning of the race, and this is like some of my favorite writing of Jay Lee Barrett. Like oh, we're boy. literally leaving into like some of the greatest, like you know, some of the greatest writing he has to say. Yeah. So this is the morning of the race and so the first quote we're going to read is Jaylee Barrett waking up and and he's just describing what he sees on the river okay because this is like you know this race is so massively hyped we talked about the last race being yeah. One of the largest, you know, sporting events in human history. I think we made a pretty decent case a couple episodes ago sure. for that race being. I mean, there was you know over five hundred thousand people at that race. Yeah, that's a it's a it's an. It, I mean, we we could easily make a case for you know one of the largest sporting events in human history with that race. And now we're getting into this one, which is a rematch with even bigger stakes. And so this is J. Lee guys. Barrett's sort of take on that. So that so Lee so here again, Jaylee Barrett, Speedboat Kings. The 1932 race for the Trophy on Lake St. Clair was run at 7 o'clock in the morning. The officials agreed on the change. They felt that the water would be smoother at sunrise than at sundown. It wasn't, at least not for the first heat. Always in the background of my memory will hang the dim tapestry of these miserable hours before the race started. When I stepped out into that dark morning at 5 o'clock, I felt sure there would be no race, no spectators, nothing. A pitiless cold rain was driving down, and I knew that the course would be a "'would be a sea of whitecaps. "'I felt like I was a lone figure of the night, "'standing thin and gaunt and cold against the black sky. "'I stepped into my car and drove down to the lake. "'I can't quite tell the feeling "'that swept through me at what I saw. "'Probably a thousand stabbing, bobbing, "'disappearing lights out across the lake, "'moving in an almost endless string "'toward a common goal, the Harmsworth Course. "'I knew what that meant, and I was amazed.' They were the boats, canoes, rowboats, dinghies, cockle shells, sailboats, cruisers, yachts, runabouts, loaded to the gunwales with part of the race-mad crowds that thronged to see these races every year. From a, black, from a black, wind-broken sky, the rains came, and through that dim night, the drenched pageant moved across an angry sea like a specter. I couldn't help but fear for the safety of those people. They'd never get out into the higher waters of the lake without a wholesale tragedy. And we, the officials, the members of the race committee, were responsible. We had changed the course to Lake St. Clair to avoid possible disaster. And here before my eyes were 1,000 crowded, storm-tossed boats converging upon the Harmsworth course from all directions. This possibly was a disaster of a more wholesale kind than we had ever dreamed. There wasn't anything we could do. Not now. And yet I couldn't help feel a tiny catch in the throat. It was a ghastly testimony of the hold these races have on the popular mind. I was a little proud that I had a small hand in staging this giant spectacle. I don't know how it was done. It seems miraculous now that not one fatality occurred. But when dawn broke and this curtain went up for the first act of this Harmsworth drama in 1932, they were there, a thousand boats anchored around the rim of the course, waiting. Many of them were so loaded down with their human cargoes that the dangerous deep water was even now licking over their gunwales. Not only that, when the first faint streaks of light began to pick their way out of the east, we saw the shoreline bank solid with humanity for miles. They had driven, walked, pedaled, and skated their way to the race through all that cold September rain, and they were there now, a black, solid mass, drenched to the skin, but waiting for the starting gun of another Harmsworth battle. What sporting event had, had ever seized on a people's fancy like this? That's it's just poetry. I just, yeah, it's poetry. I love this what sporting event in the world had ever seized on a people's fancy like this? Yeah. He's t- he's we're watching it through his eyes. Yeah. This massive humanity and yeah. boats on the shore on everywhere you can be. They're there to watch, in they driving rain into Michigan, September around Lake St. Clair,
0: and then the wakes from the boat adding the wake, more trouble.
1: Yeah, well, he's worried about the the fate of all these people. He's like, "There's a, an immense human tragedy was unfolding," and he's like, "But there was like a sick fascination that I had something to do with the you know the whole thing." You know, he's, I mean, he's, like, just honest and visualizing. He's telling us right through his eyes what Somebody's he's Somebody's going to die today. And he's, like, but he's, like, and I was kind of perversely enjoying the fact that I had, like, something to do with this spectacle, you know. Oh, like, man. no matter how it turns out, I was something to have, I had something to do with this, you know. Yeah. It's just, like, it, he's just such a he's just such a phenomenal writer, man. I mean, he's just a phenomenal, just, I mean, he just, he paints a picture, like, the screenplay for this, and I didn't write a screenplay for the right. Garwood story, but, he, you know, like, what else do you need for um, the, for the Batford to describe the way the story is supposed to go, then, like, literally just to use J. Lee Barrett's words and in, in narrative as the backdrop for the, you know, setting the stage for the scenes. So, Anyway, so yeah, so that's that's just the lead up to the race, right? So so the yeah. next so that you know to kind of pick up with what you know the the you know what the, we were saying, the main issue going into the race for Garwood was that this a dozen times they tried to get this boat to plane. They've got a yeah. metal plane in the back. Everything depends on this boat planing because the boat can't take uh, the pounding on the wood, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, engines yeah, yeah. too if much. If
0: it does that dolphin thing, you exactly. are exactly, you're done.
1: It's going to chop up the boat. It's done
0: exactly. And and you won't have the speed. Mm-hmm. You won't have the speed, and and it'll probably rip the boat to shreds. Ex- it, there you go. Exactly. You're and you're, those four engines. Yes. will be at the bottom of the same. Yes, Saint and Claire. their
1: boat might have more horsepower, but if the other boat has a you know is skimming across the surface mm-hmm. using all four thousand of its horsepower, then you're done. So that's going to be, like, the main theme. So that's why I really want to drive that home is yeah. the issue is is that there's 12 times going into this race. They, like, you know, they're already on short schedule trying to rebuild all the engines, right? They're already on a short schedule redoing all the engines, and they took it out a dozen times trying to get it to plane and it never plane. So, um, so this is, like, setting the stage for, like, what in a movie would be like one of the greatest sort of endings I mean we have a whole another episode to go but this is what like you could you could leave it you could almost leave it off at this story that we're about to read here as like the culmination you know as as a phenomenal culmination
0: All right, with that we are going to take a little quick pause right here wrap up this episode of Detroit City of Champions the podcast please 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 like subscribe leave a comment wherever you're listening watching Uh, tell a couple of friends truly truly appreciate it. Charles and I are having so much fun uh, telling these stories, and uh, that's that's the reason we do it. We want to get them out there and and share them with people. So do us a favor, share them with a friend or two. Uh, It's Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. We're going to be right back with more in the next episode. We're kind of cutting it here uh, because we kind of went on and on. But uh, it's just an amazing day with Gar Wood, uh, these amazing races with uh, the Miss America 10 and the boats, and we're going to follow up with more... From the Speedboat Kings, Garwood, it's Detroit City of Champions, the podcast.